Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. My name is Alison Colley and I'm your host with this podcast today. Thanks very much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the content. Now, as I said, the name of this podcast is the Employment Law and HR Podcast. So as you would expect, the podcast is going to be about Employment Law and HR. Um, so it's basically bringing you all the essential information that you need to know as either a business owner, a manager or a HR professional when you're dealing with staff. And the idea behind doing the podcast is to bring it to you in an easy to understand, uh, easy to consume content. So it's going to be, you know, not longer than about 15 or 20 minutes and it will give you um, an overview of the law. I'm not going to go into all of the detail about, um, you know, every single act or, or every single point that you need to know because... I don't think you really need to know that at the moment. You just need to know the basics, the overview. And then if you get an issue that arises, then you can go onto my website or onto the internet and you can find out more information. I just wanted to find a different way of bringing that information to busy business owners and busy managers. So hopefully you like the content. I will be bringing it to you every two weeks um, unless there's a major update in between or um, become overwhelmed with uh, requests for more podcasts. It'll be fortnightly and you'll be able to download direct from iTunes or Stitcher if you've got an Android or you want to do it online. Um, And it'll also be available on my website. There's a specific website for employers and it's called adviceforemployers.co.uk. Hopefully fairly easy to remember. But if you don't remember that, you can always search for Alison Colley or I've got a website which is alisoncolley.co.uk. So, um, shall I tell you a little bit about me first? So, who am I and, and how can I have the wisdom and knowledge to be able to tell you about employment law? As you already know, my name's Alison Colley and I'm an employment solicitor. I have my own uh, legal firm, which is called Real Employment Law Advice, and I provide advice to employers and employees on all aspects of employment law and HR. Um, I've been a solicitor for uh, just over eight years now. And in that time, I've specialised in employment law. The reason I decided to go into employment law is because I find it really interesting for a start. So, you know, that helps if you're interested in your work. But I also like the fact that it changes very regularly. Um, employment law um, changes, you know, on a, sometimes a weekly basis. I get emails in my inbox about different decisions, different proposals of law, different um, court judgments, uh, making changes to um, essential elements of employment law. So I really like that. There are some areas of law um, which are, you know, fairly static and and they don't change very often and it can become quite process driven. Um, And I I wasn't interested in that at all. I wanted something a bit more dynamic. So I chose employment law. When you're a trainee solicitor, you uh, spend about two years working in different departments within a solicitor's firm. And then at, at the end of those two years, you choose which of those you've liked are working in. And I was lucky enough to be able to work in employment law for quite a large proportion of my uh, training. So when it came to deciding, it was a fairly natural decision. And, I, and, I, and the right one, I'm really pleased that I made it because it does give me a different perspective on um, things because you um, get to act for employers and employees. So you one one day I might be um, helping out an employee in the employment tribunal, the next day an employer. So you do get to see both sides of it, both issues, both stresses, all of those sorts of things. And um, I always say, I would never ever want to legislate on employment law. The reason being because 
it's just so hard to weigh up the rights. On the one hand, the rights of employees, you know, they need rights, you know, the work is a very important part of most people's lives. And then the rights of employers and, you know, business owners who are struggling to make ends meet and then they get a difficult employee who um, exploits their um, employment rights. So it is a very difficult thing to legislate on. That's a bit about my experience and why I started in employment law. As I said, I started my own legal practice and I set up the business in November 2013. The idea being that I wanted to deliver employment law advice and HR advice in a different format. I wanted to do things slightly differently to the regular high street solicitors, a traditional way that solicitors deal with things. Uh, and that's one of the reasons for starting this podcast. I thought, why not embrace new media? I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. Um, I find them really interesting. It's a really great way to um, consume content. And I thought, well, what better way to do it than to talk about what I'm passionate about, which is employment. So that's the reason for the podcast. Now, the format's going to be um, each fortnight I will um, do a little introduction which will um, probably change and become less after I've done a few podcasts and people get to know who I am and um, then what I'm going to do is talk to you about a particular change in the law or something that's happened or a case or something that I think you should know about and then um, I'm going to round it off with uh, my tip for uh, best practice so the, the the kind of things that you you know really need to know on a day-to-day basis if you've got staff or if you work in HR. I'm going to kick things off this week in the episode one with talking to you about the right to request flexible working. Now this is a recent change in the law, something that happened at the end of uh, June. So it's been in place now for a little over a month. And um, basically what's happened is the government have changed the way that we deal with the right to request flexible working. Prior to the change, um, what happened was uh, employers had a duty, an obligation to deal with requests for flexible working um, from parents, so parents with younger or disabled um, children. Uh, They were able to make an application uh, for flexible working and um, there was a set format for how they dealt with it and um, employers had to go through a certain procedure. And what's happened now is the laws changed so that any employee can make an application for flexible working. So every employee has the right to make a request. Now, I must remind you, I must stress that it is just the right to make a request. It's not the right to work flexibly. And I think this is maybe where there's a common misconception. I think there have been some reports in the media and um, people I've heard overheard talking about it seem to think that it's going to be the disaster that every employee is going to be able to work Uh, flexibly. Um, That's not the case. It's just a procedure that's been brought in that employers are required to follow if if an employee wants to make an application. Now, I will obviously talk about this probably in a bit more detail later on about my thoughts on the current government's employment policies. But um, they had an, a general policy of of trying to cut down on the red tape for employers and um, to make life a little bit easier for them. And I think actually this introduction of the right to request flexible working for all employees has probably just added to some of the administrative burden that employers have. Now that's not to say that it, it is a huge burden because I don't think it is and I'll tell you why shortly but it just um, seems contrary to me to what the government are trying to achieve for small business. But anyway that's an aside a bit of a political opinion about the law there but um, if I go back to telling you about the actual um, the rights to request and, and, and what's changed. So it means that 
if an employee came to you and said, do you know what, I really would like to reduce my hours because of X, Y, Z, you know, uh, I really want to reduce my hours because I've got a horse and I need to get up early to go and uh, look after the horse so I can get into work early, but I need to leave early because I have to go and put it back from into stables or something like that. That's an example that I, I know of from, from another um, employer. In those circumstances, the employee would then have to put that request in writing. Now, what's been happening previously, and it might happen in your organisation previously as well, is that these kind of conversations were happening on an informal basis. So an employee would approach their employer and say, you know, this is what I want. And the employer would say yes or no, depending on the needs of the business or whether it could be accommodated. What the new changes do is mean that you have to follow a prescribed uh, procedures. You can't just have that informal discussion anymore or well you can but I wouldn't advise you to do so because if you have that informal discussion and it turns out that you actually say no then the employee may complain that that they've made a right to request flexible working application and that hasn't been dealt with in accordance with the procedures that are set out. So what must you do? Well it, it means having a meeting with the employee So when they put their application in writing, you would then arrange a meeting with them. Of course, if the application is straightforward and you decide, do you know what, Uh, we can accommodate this and we're going to, you can then just write back to the employee, confirm the change to them and issue them with a new contract with a new terms, so new hours um, and then reduce pay if if it's reduced hours, that sort of thing. So you could do that if you uh, accept it. If you're not sure or you are thinking that perhaps you can't accommodate it, then you would have a meeting with them. So arrange a meeting and um, and and use the meeting to really explore the options with the employee. Don't just use it as a tick box exercise. You know, that's really bad for employee relations. Use it as an opportunity to think about what the options are. If your thoughts are, actually, we can't accommodate this. Why not um, see if the employee has any other suggestions that could be accommodated or you have any suggestions that might work for both parties and then following the meeting you make your decision so you make your decision and you inform the employee in writing as i said earlier it is just a right to request flexible working there isn't any obligation on you as an employer to accept and to say yes but if you want to say no you have to have one of eight uh, prescribed reasons so there's um, eight reasons that are set out that you must follow Um, And these include things like um, the burden of additional costs. So that's one of them. Um, Or your inability to recruit additional staff to to cover for, um, let's say, reduced hours again. So as long as you have one of those eight reasons, then um, you are are fine to say no. Now, when you decide on the reason, one of those eight reasons why you can't accommodate the request, there isn't actually any need to justify the decision. Um, The law just states that you have to have one of those reasons. Um, and so therefore, you know, the employment tribunal would never, you know, question your decision making or the reasons why or the legitimacy of your business reasons. So they wouldn't explore whether, you know, there really was a burden of additional costs. And strictly speaking, you need only tell the employee the wording of one of those eight reasons as to reason why. Now, again, whilst you could do that, I wouldn't advise it. I would always recommend that you have a dialogue with your employee about why it is that you can't accommodate it. Um, you don't have to go into full reasons, but at least backing it up with some examples or, or you know, explaining why. Again, it's just better for employee relations. And quite frankly, the employee is less likely to cause a hassle or to try to look for a loophole in the in the procedure or to try to pursue any potential claims if they fully understand the reason. 
Um, I think sometimes there's a reluctance on employers to give their staff information about, you know, things like how the business is doing and that sort of thing. But quite often employees have a, a misconception about you know, how profitable a business is, for instance, or or about other employees' working arrangements. And of course, you don't want to be giving them away confidential information, but, you know, giving them enough information so they can actually say, do you know what, I, I do feel like I've been treated fairly, I've had my say, and it can't be accommodated now, and maybe um, it could be reconsidered. Now, an employee can only make an application under the right to request flexible working procedures once a year. But of course, they could have an informal arrangement with you whereby you could review it at another time if you wanted to. So what are the risks to you if you don't actually follow the procedure? So let's just say you get something wrong. Hopefully having listened to this podcast and and maybe going on to my website adviceforemployers.co.uk and having a look at the full detailed procedure you won't get it wrong. But if you do um, there are a limited number of claims that an employee can make in relation to mistakes and they're related to the procedure. And in the event that the employee was successful the maximum amount of compensation that they could obtain is eight weeks pay um, and that's capped at the statutory cap of £464. So um, the maximum it would cost you is eight times £464. Now that's quite a bit of money still and um, it's something that can be dealt with fairly easily in my opinion if you follow the procedure. If you're not sure about what to do and you want some more advice then you can always contact me or if you'd like to have a procedure that you could implement into your own handbook or your own set of procedures there's a free one to download in my document shop which is again at adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash shop and you'll see it there you just have to enter your details to get the free download you don't have to pay for it so that's the right to request flexible working I'd be really interested to hear from anyone who has either had um, an employee who's made a request or who has their own had had their own informal procedures before and who is finding this difficult to deal with um, please let me know drop me a line you can send me an email it's alison at alisoncolly.co.uk or I'm on twitter real advice work or facebook or um, uh, you can always have a look on the website and do the contact us form so yeah if you if you've had any um, experience in the right to request flexible working I'd love to hear from you <laughs> Next up is my best practice tip. So for those busy um, employers, busy HR professionals, busy managers, what is one thing that you can do today to help your business, to, to help your business grow really, to help your business save money and to save time with your employees? Well, it is to have a contract of employment with your staff. It might seem fairly obvious, but the number of employers I encounter who don't have anything in writing is amazing. It always surprises me because it is fairly straightforward to do and um, it need not be burdensome, but it is a legal requirement. And that's why I'm always surprised. It's the one thing that you must do when you take on staff is to provide them with some minimum contract terms. Now, the law is under Section 1 of the Employment Rights Act, if anyone's interested. The only reason I say that is because what we call them is Section 1 terms. That's what they're referred to by us lawyers. Essentially, what that is, is a basic set of terms about things like holiday, pay, where they're going to work, uh, whether they're paid sick pay, all of those sorts of things. So there's a minimum set of terms. And if you are a fairly small business with one or two employees and uh 
your you know your fairly straightforward let's for instance take um, a cafe if you own a cafe and you take on a couple of staff to help you in the, the kitchen and waiting and that sort of thing you could have a simple section one terms on two sides of uh, a4 and that would be it and if you don't have section one terms an employee could apply to the employment tribunal who would then determine what their terms are um, or if they have another kind of um, dispute with you. Let, so let's just say they have a claim for unfair dismissal and um, they haven't been given a contract. They could include that as a claim with their unfair dismissal claim and that could be worth two to four weeks pay to them. And when you're thinking about potential unfair dismissal compensation and then an additional two to four weeks pay on top of that, you really don't want to be doing it. So there is a, a legal risk and also the, the risk of compensation. But it's just about business efficiency, about getting things right with your staff from the very outset. The number of problems that I see arise because of a, um interpretation about how working arrangements are set up, about interpretation about how, what holiday is, when holiday can be taken, all of those sorts of things can be prevented and dealt with if you give your staff a contract right at the outset. There are other advantages to giving your staff contracts as well. You can include additional things, as I was saying, in relation to holiday. If you want to prevent your staff from going on holiday at your busiest period of the year, then you would need to include that within the contract. If you include it in the contract, then you legitimately can refuse their request to take holiday at that time. So why wouldn't you want to have a contract in place? My best practice tip concludes this episode one of the Employment Law and HR podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and thanks very much for listening. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice. And finally, I'd just like to ask you if you've enjoyed this podcast and you found it useful, if you could leave me a review in iTunes or Stitcher, it does help other people to find the podcast. And if you'd like to um, get in touch, you can do via Twitter and Real Advice Work. So until next time, have a great day.